on the floor. Now my jewelry box froze. Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove. Counted millions in a cold. Bad bitch, booted swole. Got her on bank road. Can't fold, does a no. Headshot, case closed. What is up, guys? It's Andy Purcell, and this is the show for the realest sake about the lies, the fakeness, and delusions of modern society. And welcome to motherfucking reality, guys. Today we have Q and AF. That's where uh, you submit the Qs, and we give you the AFs. Now, you can submit your questions a few different ways. The first way is... Guys, email those questions in to askandy at andyfrasella.com. Or if you go on YouTube on the Q&AF episodes, which post on Mondays usually, uh, and go in the comments section... You could drop your question down there in the comments. We'll pick some from there as well. Questions could be about anything. Typically, they're about personal development, entrepreneurship, business success, how to kick ass and win at life. But if you want to ask other stuff, that's cool too. Um, other times you tune in, we're going to have CTI. CTI stands for Cruise the Internet. That's where we put topics up on the screen. We speculate on what's true and what's not true. Then we talk about how we, us, you the listener, and us here can be the solution to the problems going on in the world. Other times we have real talk. Real talk is just five to 20 minutes of me giving you some real talk. Uh, other times we have full length. That's pretty much like every other podcast where a guest joins us. We just have a conversation. And then we have 75 hard verses and 75 hard verses where we take someone who has completed the 75 hard program, uh, whose life was in disarray before and has now come to order where they take the power back and take control of their own life. Um, and we have them on the show. We talk about how they did it and how you could do it too. So if you want the 75 hard program, which is the beginning of the live hard program, you can get the entire live hard program at episode 208 on the audio feed. It is a free program. It is the world's biggest mental transformation program that has ever been created. So and it doesn't cost you anything other than your effort. So if you go to episode 208, you get that for free. Uh, we have this thing we call the fee. The fee is basically we don't run ads on the show. I finance the show myself, uh, mainly because I don't want to be told what I can and can't say. And uh, I ask very simply that if you get benefit out of the show, if you get some practical information, it makes you think, it makes you laugh, it teaches you something, it gives you a skill set, which this one definitely will. Uh, please share the show, okay? We get throttled. We talk about uncomfortable topics. We make light of uncomfortable topics, and we get throttled for that. We get shadow banned for that, and we really rely on you guys to uh, share the show. So uh, don't be a hoe. Share the show. All right. What's did, up? I feel like time is just flying. Like, did Why do you, you feel that way? Well, because I do. Like, I look up, and it's, we're like two weeks out from Christmas. Like, I feel like things are just like time is just going by quick. And like it made me think. Like, did you ever believe in that that saying that you know time flies when you're having fun? Is that like a real thing for you? Man, time always feels like I honestly, yeah, I have so much going on at all the time that it always feels that way, whether it's fun or not. Yeah, yeah. you know, I guess that's good because even when shit's hard, it goes fast because mm -hmm. I've got so much going on. But I think there's truth to that. Yeah. You know, it's always like you're the best party or the best day or the best event and all of a sudden it's over. It's over. Man. Yeah. It's over. So I, I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. I just feel like this entire year has just gone by fast, man. Like we're, yeah. you're, you're coming up on 25 years. It's mm. a big, big, yeah. that's a big milestone. Yeah. 25 years and a, a quarter of a century. Yeah. In business. Like that's in the crazy. same business. That's crazy. The same industry. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely, you know, the, I was thinking about this, you know, what's cool about business that is different from being an athlete, right? Like I, I grew up wanting to be an entertainer, an athlete, 
and I was a decent athlete. Um, I probably could have grinded out a Division One college career. I wouldn't have been a star. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would have been it. Okay. My brother was much more athletic than me. He he could have been he could have been a star playing pro baseball had he not had his injury. Um, but one of the things that I really think about when I think about business and entrepreneurship that I think is cool is that you know how like as you become an athlete, the older you get, the worse you get. Mm-hmm. But in business, the older you get, the better you get because you accumulate more and more and more skills, more and more and more knowledge. You have the ability to, to observe experiences and you can recognize them at later date. The intuition grows, your ability to perceive things grows, and like really you just become a much more form- formidable weapon uh, of an entrepreneur the longer you do it. Yeah. So like, you know, well, yeah. I mean, you can say that, that exists in sports, but there is definitely like this cap, this like there's limit. Of there's like a physical limitation. How long you can go with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, for like a coach, right? There's a reason why most of the great coaches are 60 years old. Yeah. It's because they fucking seen everything. Every fucking play. Right. Every technique. Yeah. yeah. So, like, there's, I like that about business. You know, when I look at business and I look at what, what, what we've accomplished in business, um, you know, it's, it's incredible. It really is. Like, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that as a, as a matter of fact. You know, it's, it's an incredible achievement. I think at 44 years old, I've achieved more than what most entrepreneurs would ever achieve an entire career. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't hang my hat on that at all. I don't walk around and think, man, I, to me, I'm, I still feel 25 and I'm just excited to have all that experience and knowledge. So what can I do for the next 25 years? You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of like, that's how I look at it. So, you know, it's, it has gone fast. It's like that, like what you said about, uh, the having fun, like yeah, time flies. When yeah. It hasn't fun. always been fun, yeah. but there has been a lot of fun. You know, some of my best friends in the world, even people that, you know, were part of the company at one time that are no longer a part that I'm still really good friends with. And they're out building things and doing things there. It's just been a very rewarding experience yeah. all in all, even though it's been very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's never been easy ever. But it's been rewarding. And I think that's a universal truth or law to most things that are hard. Most things that are hard are rewarding, you know? And no. so it falls right in line with what everybody thinks. No. Um, but honestly, like other than it being 25 years, it just feels like another opportunity to get better, man. Yeah. No, I love it, man. I'm just yeah. wired that way. Yeah. <clears throat> I just think it's cool, man. Because, like I said, I mean, you don't, like, I, I mean, again, like, I'm not the entrepreneur, right? But, like, just looking at a company, like, 25 years in business, like, that's a lot that's a lot of years man it's mm-hmm. a lot of years and so yeah I mean, <clears throat> people now that's not first form now first form right, was founded right. in 2009 right so we're what 19 14 years old right almost 15 years old first form uh s2 is 25 years that's old 25 years old yeah um that's pretty cool yeah i mean that's what i'm and then like and and to see like where it is today versus where it was 25 years ago <laughs> yeah i mean look man the first three years we spent fucking sleeping in the back of the store on and off on a fucking mattress that we got from Salvation Army, dude. Had a fucking piss stain on it. Like, Chris and I lay on that motherfucker together. Two big-ass fucking young men that aren't gay. You know what I'm saying? Like, that would be normal. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, it was... It was. It, I mean, look, man. The whole story's crazy. And, and it, one day we'll do a whole podcast telling the whole story, but... Uh, the reality of it is, is like, yeah, it's been a fucking battle, bro. And it's been a journey. I've met a lot of cool people of, you know, 
had a lot of really cool experiences, had a lot of really hard times, um, had a lot of big wins. Uh, but when I look back, you know, on where I'm at in life and I acknowledge, you know, the legitimate accomplishes, accomplishments that I've had, I'm, I'm, I'm like, if something were to happen to me tomorrow, I feel like I've done some shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like There's substance there. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying what I'm about to say to brag, but like I've created two number one podcasts in different formats. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I've built a company that's worth 10 figures. I've built a company that's worth nine figures. I've built a number of companies that do eight figures. Um, and I have a bunch more that are in the seven figure that are going to soon be eight, nine figure businesses. So like I've done some real shit and then you throw 75 hard on top of that which is pretty much the as far as to my knowledge the world's biggest ever in history mental recalibration program you know that's free yeah and so when i think of the number of impact the people impacted and careers built and all that stuff at being 44 years old that makes me proud yeah. and it's also one of the reasons i get so upset with like some of the entrepreneur culture that's going around you know um, those rewards and that gratitude and those accomplishments don't come from something that you do for six weeks or a few months right. or some bullshit course that you buy. You know, it's a lifetime commitment. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even thinking 25 years no, ahead. No, bro. Yeah. <clears throat> Listen, man. The, look, there's a lot to unpack there. But all in all, man, I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be where I'm at. Um. I'm proud of the work that we do on Real AF in regards to what's important with culture and the country and and the social environment. I feel like, you know, I feel like if something were to happen to me, like you guys shouldn't be sad. You should be like, well, he fucking maximizes time. And I feel, I feel, I feel that way. Yeah. You know, like I I do feel that way and uh, hopefully nothing happens to me, but uh, (laughs) you know, I'm excited where we're going from here because when I look out here and I see all these young people and I see all these people, um, you know, growing their careers and helping people and doing things that are positive and culture and society, being a good example of a great human being. And I look out at all our podcast listeners who are like, you know, maybe thinking that, you know, living a free life was more so I do whatever I want. And now looking at it like a free life means I have an obligation to make the environment good for the people becoming coming behind us and yeah. the people who have sacrificed... Like when I see everybody kind of doing the thing now versus where we were even five, six years ago, you know, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. I think we got a lot of work to do, though. And I'm excited to do it. Yeah, that's a fact, man. Yeah. Well, guys, Andy, <clears throat> I got three good ones for you. Let's uh, let's knock these out. Andy, guys, question number one. Andy, um, a lot of members of Congress are leaving recently, and this is uh, opening a lot, of, uh, a lot of doors for a lot of new members. Mm-hmm. What do you think will be the change that happens in Congress? Like- Will it be more Gen X and millennials entering Congress and finally putting this country on the right path? Like, what do you what do you see the landscape changing to? I am not sure, but if what I actually believe is, ha- I think a lot of these people are resigning because they're realizing that the old ways of doing things are over. Mm. You know the the establishment Republicans are getting very frustrated with the. You know, the quote unquote MAGA Republicans, which reality, I don't think that I think that's a that's an intentionally negative label that they try to put on these people. When in reality, these are just pro freedom people that like want a more 
uh, a less corrupt government yep. with, without all these backdoor deals. I don't think it has very much to do with Trump. I think it has more to do with what this country is actually supposed to be. I think these a lot of these people are patriots. I think a lot of these people coming in now are not going to allow the uh, establishment backdoor traditional deals to be made. Um, I could be wrong, but I think what's happening is a lot of these people are recognizing that and they're like, shit, dude, I'm going to lose this and I'm going to end up getting hung up on it in some sort of congressional inquiry or, you know, and so they're, they're, they're fucking bouncing before shit. shit gets weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though that won't save them. No, it won't. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, when you look at everybody else that's got it, that's coming in and you're, you're one, like, let's say you're, let's say, dude, like, okay, in the beginning, you know, you're looking around and there's. 500 other people who are of like mind you know yes they're democrat yes they're republican but we all know how it works how it works is i do deals on the side you guys do deals on the side we don't tell on each other we all get rich and we sort of work together and then we pretend not to yeah and that's kind of the deal we'll solve some of the shit yeah and then they go play golf and go to dinner and be rich fucks right um and what i see happening is like you see a guy like Matt Gates come in, right? Or even some of these other uh, these other older guys who are speaking up. Jim Jordan. Yes. The, the patriotic Americans are starting to say, no, we're not doing this. And I'm not going to do this thing either. And I think what they're seeing is like, you know, at first those corrupt people are all looking and they're like, oh, yeah, there's two of those guys. They're not with us. You know, fuck them. Right. But then there's eight of them. Mm-hmm. Then there's 10 of them. Now there's 30 of them and everybody's like, oh shit. Then they look at the polls and they look at the culture and they see how much the average American is, how frustrated they are with the system and the government and what's been going on in the world. And I think they're seeing the fact that like their days are numbered in terms of being able to operate with uh, no consequences and just rob us blind and do things that are hard for us. So that's, I'm not sure, but that's how I'm reading the situation. I think a lot of these people are starting to realize like, oh shit, there's more of them this time. Oh, there's more, there's more coming. And then they look out on the local election landscape and they're like, these are the only people winning elections. They're the only people winning school boards. They're the only people winning state elections and they see what's coming. Yep. You know? I mean, what, what do you say to the, to the average uh, American citizen that, you know, maybe listening to this, the show right now. <clears throat> You know, but you know, I, I mean, always, what do you think, dude? No, I, I I agree with that that consensus. I think a lot of, I mean, there, there's a lot of them that are leaving out and dropping out and retiring, right? yeah, They're trying to get out of here, and uh, you know, go live off of all the stock trades that they've made. And uh, I think that's wrong, but I don't think it's going to save them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the sweep's coming for sure. Um, but but I look at you know my 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 thing is like I'm I feel for you know the average American that's like I said listening to this show. I've always been one that says like you know if you see something wrong, fix it right. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if it's in your means, do something about it right. Is that a practical thing? Like do you think? Because I feel like we need it more now than ever right. We need more average Americans getting into these systems, getting into Congress, and fixing the problems that we all know is wrong. How practical is that? Well, it's always harder when people are having a harder time surviving. Yeah. Right. Um, and right now people are having a harder time surviving. So it's very hard for people to want to do more than what they're already doing when it's taking all they got just to pay their bills and keep the lights on. Yeah. And that's intentional. All right. So that's an intentional strategy to keep the common man out of these situations. 
Uh, and what, what does that leave? That leaves these situations open to people who are not actually contributing, are not actually building, are not creating, don't have any real responsibility, and are able to just kind of like do whatever they want in life. And if we look at the school boards, and we look at the county boards, and we look at these these small local governments across the country, you know, this ha- has been the case. You know, we have a bunch of people who are not patriotic, who do not actually care about our Constitution, who don't care about right and wrong, who are not contributing members of society. They're not doing anything productive. And they've taken over these little local governments. And, you know, I think over the last four years, a lot of that's been taken back. Mm. And uh, But I think a lot more has to happen. And so we talk about practicality, you know, your first and foremost responsibility is to be an excellent human being in all regards, you know, fit, healthy, intelligent, high earning as much as possible, taking care of your family and and to conquer that. And then, you know, the second phase of that responsibility would be to get involved in your local situations when you can. You know, a lot of change culturally can happen just from that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, what we really need is we need like, for example, you know, I don't make money doing this show. I don't get fucking ad revenue. I don't take ads. Uh, but one of the reasons I do this show is because I feel called to do it and speak out in front of an audience of millions of people over the course of a month at, from a standpoint of service. Yeah. Like, hey, these are the things that we need to work on. And so, like, I've found myself in this sort of, like, conductor seat like over here over here over here and i think people just have to look at it what can they do in their own little communities you know i don't i don't think everybody needs to go run for president or run for senator or run for congress united states congress or anything but if you can you know what i'm saying um but i think all of you can participate in your local school board meetings i think most of you can participate in your county meetings your town meetings your community and i think over the course of time Americans have just gotten away from that and they have lost the understanding that those things are important and valuable to our, our, our communities and our culture. And while they took the eye off the ball, those places were, were overrun with far leftists and, and communists. Yeah. Disgusting shit who, you know, we've seen these clips all over the internet for years and years and years of, you know, people in a school board, you know, like that Loudoun County stuff that happened where that, that 17-year-old boy who was dressing as a girl was in the girl's restroom, raped one of the girls, and then the dad freaks out, and they fucking arrest the dad. And the school board's up there, like, trying to, like, say that guy has rights. That kid, No, he doesn't have fucking rights. And the reality is, dude, too, another thing. I saw a video this morning um, on the internet. It was, like, a recap. Remember we covered that story about the uh, 50-year-old man swimming in the pool with 13-year-old girls. Well, he did it again, okay? And there was another video of this. And there's, like, this camera guy, and he's, like, harassing this guy, right? He's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And at the end, the guy goes, who's going to protect me from these people? Like, the the man who's swimming with the kids. Look, bro, I don't... Here's what I don't understand. I don't understand how this... How parents of these girls are allowing this to happen. Like, where are the men? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, dude, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, like, if there was a pedophile in your neighborhood, he just kind of went away, mm-hmm. right? Like, nobody knows where Jeff moved. That's right. He what just went away. Jeff? Yeah. Like, dude, p- 
parents can solve this shit. They're just not solving it. Men can solve this shit. They're just not solving it. And I can tell you this. If I had a girl and she was 13 and there was a 50-year-old man in there while she's changing, that dude would be in a fucking hole. Mm-hmm. Like the next day. Yep, COVID. Yes. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Look, bro, I don't even care if I go to jail for it. Yeah. I don't no, even care. It's necessary, bro. Yes. And, it, and this waving a camera in their fucking face and shit ain't going to get it done, motherfuckers. We're, we're past the point of just trying to humiliate. Yes, these people feel entitled to our fucking children. Period. Yep. If a grown man is going to say he's a trans-aged 13-year-old girl who is tr- changing in a girl's restroom, competing in a girl's event, and none of the men in the neighborhood are going to do anything? Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. No. Mm-mm. Bro, every single one of those dads is a fucking bitch. Real talk. That's real talk. Like, if your daughter was involved in that and you didn't do DJ shit. would have been in the pool dragging bro, him out. <laughs> bro. I, I can't understand it. It ain't happening. Hold on, Ryan. Let me call him. Let me, let me put him on camera. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The things you do to people like that, you do not put on camera. Right, exactly. Holy fuck. Yeah, facts. Yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah. Bro, we have a pedophilia problem in our culture, and it's real. It's not bullshit. It's not conspiracy. It's not this or that. We have a culture that is legitimately- Our children are being preyed on. It's not only that, bro. The communist insurgency in our country is trying to remove all boundaries. This already happened. It happened in the Weimar Republic in 1930s Germany. I've been saying this for years and years and years. Okay, this- And then when these people are finally handled- they're going to write the history books like it was unjust. You know what I'm saying? Like, these people are fucking little kids, bro. They're your kids. And they're trying. We see it in Spain. We see in Europe. We see people of parliament and governments saying that children should decide if, if, they, can, if they want to have sex with, a, with a, an adult. It's their decision. Like, you understand? Yeah. Like, uh, they're, they're trying to make laws listen, to protect it. Pedophilia is a fucking legitimate mainstream thing that hides under the surface, okay? Like, when you go to the grocery store, there's pedophiles in the grocery store, like a lot of them, yep. okay? And it's so rampant, and it's so big, that and nobody wants to say, you know, uh, hey, I'm a pedophile, right? Like, they don't want to fucking say that in public. But their actions are all in defense of these kinds of people, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're, we're, seeing that, we're seeing people call them minor attracted people. We're seeing people justify pedophilia in literal college classrooms. We're seeing entire groups of people like allow these people into their groups. Like, dude, this is fucking wrong, okay? And until we address this problem as a real problem and how, and how big it is, we have members of government who allegedly have been involved with a dude for years and years and years who was engaged with child sex trafficking and shit. You see what I'm saying? Listen, dude, I think it's way bigger of a problem than people think. Mm -hmm. I think it's way bigger of a problem than people think. I think people, when they traditionally think about pedophilia, they think of it like, okay, yeah, it's that one weird guy down the street you know, that looks like a pedophile. But I actually don't think that's what the problem is. I think there's a whole bunch of people that are all connected in some way that are legitimately fucking trying to normalize it globally. And why would they normalize it? Because they know they're going to get caught 
And if they can normalize it before they get caught, they won't be held accountable the way that we would normally hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Yeah. That's what I observe. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, dude, the guy who no. busted that Pizzagate uh, conspiracy just got fucking brought up with child porn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, he's the one that debunked yeah. Pizzagate being real a real thing. And then all of a sudden, exist. he's proven to be a, a, a pedophile. So, it's like, not. dude, we as Americans need to take a fucking hard stance and draw a hard line in the sand on what's going to be tolerated. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you this. Pedophiles go in the wood chipper, bro. Yeah. No, that's it. It's real shit. That's the line. The line is, if you fuck with people's kids, you go in the wood chipper. And we should legitimately consider, like, Making public examples of these people, meaning like torturing them and fucking unaliving them in public. Yeah. So that people understand why we don't do these things. Mm-hmm. There should be zero tolerance for this. Yeah. Zero. Zero. Zero sympathy. I don't give a fuck why you do that. I don't care what, what happened to you when you were a kid. I don't give a shit. Like we got this victim mentality now where it's like, oh, well, he's mentally disturbed. I don't care. Not no that, more. Into the wood chip. Yeah. We'll solve your problem. <laughs> he's not mentally disturbed anymore. And by the way, Neither his mental I. his <laughs> mental disturbance is not disturbing any of us. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like, so we have to start talking about this in real terms. Mm-hmm. These people are not going to stop. They're not going to quit. It's being like encouraged at some levels. And it's a big fucking problem, dude. Yeah, no, it is, man. It is. Well, guys, Andy, question number two. Andy, I'm the 26-year-old young man and was recently beat out of a sales manager position by my team counterpart. My director told me that a contributing factor was that I am definitely a leader but need to learn to not lead with friendliness. In your opinion, is it bad to be a leader whose team looks at them as both a friend and their leader? Uh, And if so... Do I work on being less friendly as I continue to pursue my career and leadership going forward? This is a delicate situation I think a lot of people struggle with when it comes to leadership. I think people have a hard time drawing the boundary between friendship and leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people try to like draw the solution to this saying like, oh, we're outside the office, so we're going to be friends now. or we're... That's not where the boundary should be drawn. Like, the boundary should be drawn. Like, look, bro, you and I are friends, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're well, boys. We're friends. Okay. We're but when friends. I tell you some fucking real shit, do you know I'm talking about some real shit? Absolutely. Okay. There's an understanding there. Switch. There's an understanding of where the line is. Sure. Okay. And all until I have to enforce the line, we're fucking friends. Because yeah. I treat you with respect and as a grown man to do your shit and handle your shit. Yep. Until that line is crossed. And you, everybody in this building knows when that line is crossed immediately. And then I will say... Hey, don't fucking do that. Yep. And then five minutes later, we're friends again, right? Like it's <laughs> yeah. not, there's no like, there. it's communication, man. It's like what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's being direct with your communication. It's being comfortable saying exactly what's going on and meaning it and, uh, and then not holding grudges. And now, you know, I think a lot of people when it comes to this friendship leadership thing, I think they look at it like, they look at it in the extremes. They look at it like, well, I'm their leader. I can't be their friend. And, bro, your people, if your people don't somewhat like you, they're not going to go to war for you, bro. Right. Okay? Secondly, there's people who think I have to be the friend to be the leader. Those people get walked all over. They can't lead worth a fuck. So you have to find a balance there to be an effective leader. And the effective leadership is, hey, man, yeah, I'm being hard on you because I give a fuck about you. 
Okay, I want you to fucking win. I want you to move into a bigger house and be able to pay for your kids' private school. And right now, you're fucking up that line. Yeah. Okay, so this is what I, why I'm telling you this. And then we have a conversation, and then two minutes later, hey, you want to smoke a cigar? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like it's, it's, it's like that. And so like there's a there's a nuance and a balance to it. And and the reality is is all the people I see talking about it online, they don't lead anybody. <laughs> like, bro, like like you got like these little Instagram like this. Yes. <laughs> like these Instagram videos that people talk about leadership, they don't even have employees. Yeah. Or they have two. Okay. Uh, if you if you've led a group of people and you've been effective at leading them and you have accomplished things with them, I will listen to what you have to say. Yeah. You know, that's why football coaches are good to listen to because they're able to coordinate a large number of many different personalities from many different backgrounds and many different life perspectives and get them to operate as a unit to accomplish something, which in football is to win a game or win a championship. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we see all these guys on the internet giving these leadership and how many people have they actually led? Oh, I got my, I got my personal brand team. Well, that's fucking six people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know what real leading is, is when you've got people that you can like orchestrate, orchestrate like yeah. a symphony, you guys, this, you guys that, and if you do this and these guys do that, we can win. Making some fucking yes. music. So like, yeah. it, it's we have a lot of bad information about leadership out here. You yeah. know, one of the guys I liked that I think gives a great, uh, presents himself as a great leader and I think is a great leader is uh, Jocko. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think Jocko has a lot of great shit to say about leadership. I think he's a tremendous leader. Talk about uh, accomplishing missions. Not only exactly. Yeah. Where the consequences were, if he fucked up, it's not like they lost money. People fucking died. Exactly. Okay. So that's real leadership. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and I think we need to be real careful about whose opinions we take about leadership. We have to ask ourselves, like, has this person run a team? How many people were on the team? What did they accomplish? Did they win as a team or did they lose as a team? Just these fucking videos that keep scroll, like these people, like there's so many people on the internet now. They're saying all the companies I invest in, which ones are they? <laughs> all the companies I run, which ones are they? Yeah. Let's start seeing some shit. Let's see your building. Let's see your customers. Let's. Where can we order your product? Where can we test out if you are actually living by the principles that you're speaking about on your little fucking Instagram reels? Mm-hmm. Okay. Where do you understand? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, there's so much shit out here that we have a lot of people that are really confused about what good leadership looks like, and this ruins them because they're listening to people that have never led and never won leading. So, in my opinion, uh, leadership coming down to be an effective leader has to do a lot with intent, all right? Meaning, do, do, do you, I bet every single person in this building knows that I want them to win. I believe they know that I want them to progress and be better and earn more money and build their career. I bet they know it. Okay. And that's a fundamental quality for you to have in your team. Make sure they trust you. Make sure they know that the best interest of them is in your heart. And that's what you're trying to. And if you can instill that level from the beginning, you have far less problems because everybody knows, okay, look, yeah, he might be saying it this way, but he's saying it this way because he gives a fuck. All right. And so like we have all these other people who overanalyze, you know, and like I said, they end up being a total dick and they can't get the respect of their team or they are totally soft and they get run over and they're ineffective. And really, the truth is, is somewhere in the middle is where you want to be. You want to be someone who's respected, who your team knows that you care about them, who is also driven and that they trust will take 
the mission and accomplish the mission. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to that. Like leadership, we could have a whole entire podcast on leadership and come in here every day talking about a different aspect of leadership. But to get back to, you know, the question at hand, um, it sounds like you're walked all over. That's what I think your boss is saying. What mm-hmm. I think your boss is telling you is that you're allowing your team People like you, but you're not as effective as you could be if you were a little bit harder in terms of enforcing the standard. Holding the line. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what I was going to follow. Like, okay, like who, who, who's speaking more on this? Like, 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 when that when that is a situation, is that more of a sign that okay, you just have bad uh, followers, right? Like, there's bad people who you know maybe they're just pieces of shit that like to take advantage and like don't respect that, or is that more of like that? No, that's well, let me ask quality. you something. Hold on. If you have if you have a team and you're the leader of the team mm-hmm. and the team isn't able to perform and you're in charge of who's on the team, whose fault is it that they're not performing? Oh, it's yours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's my fault. If I have a team that's not performing, then there's one of a couple things that could be happening. And one of them could be that they suck. One of them could be that they're overwhelmed one of them could be they don't believe one of them could they don't believe in me they don't believe in the mission uh, one could be they've been paid too much so they're unmotivated uh one could be you know there could be a fucking million things that could be that could be doing it but ultimately the reality of leadership is this you have a mission you have to get everybody to orchestrate and work together as a team to accomplish the mission and uh the only way to do that is to do so in a, in a way that, um, you know, your team knows that you care about them, but they also know that you're not going to be walked over. And the more that you're not walked over, the more they respect you, which the better they perform. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I, it's you. there's just so much to it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think, and there's an art to it, too. There's a nuance. There's a feeling. Like, I can generally feel when there's some fucking shit go- wrong in the team. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is experience. Like how long about earlier? Yeah. yeah like yeah. how long have you been leading? Like in the beginning of the game, dude, like, yeah, it feels weird to, 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 to balance that dynamic between friends and team, but real shit. Like, I don't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't even come into my mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think to your point too, though, like, I mean, Nick Saban wasn't Nick Saban day one, right? Like, like all of his, his skills as a leader, he, I'm, I'm sure he didn't have that day one as his first day as a head coach, right? Like, that stuff has to be developed. Yeah. You know, it's going to take time. Yeah, but dude, like, if you're if you're leading a team, okay, and you're, you're trying to find this balance between, you know, am I too hard? Am I too soft? Am I friends? Well, what's your definition of friendship? Because my definition of friendship, if I actually care about you, is that I want the best for you. I want you to win. I want you to develop. I want you to make more money. I want I want you to be the best that you can be. That's the kind of friends I have. Mm-hmm. I don't have any friends in my life that aren't like that. You know, and a lot of people interpret friends as like always nice, always laughing, always having a good time, fucking around. You ain't got to touch the line. I right, got you. right, right. Yeah. And that's not a friend. Yeah. That's not a fucking friend, bro. Your friends will force you to win and they will help you win. And they will call you out when you're being a fucking bitch. Yeah. Okay? So, like, I personally believe, and this is, I think, what makes me an effective leader, and I'm 
statistically very effective. My track record speaks for itself. Is the fact that I actually believe in my heart that being a good friend means holding people accountable. That's what I believe. Yeah. Like if I saw one of my friends fucking up, you know this better than anybody. Yep. If I saw one of my friends living below what they, I'll say, has, hey, bro, what the fuck you doing, man? They say how it should be. It should be like this. And you know better. Yep. That's the kind of friend I am. Like, bro, that's why I don't have that many friends. Because <laughs> most people are too fucking pussy to they be friends with me. That. Yeah, because yeah, I fucking straight up tell you, bro. And you know what? That's why I live at a high standard. Because they can never turn around and say that shit to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's another uh, uh, aspect of being a great leader is living at the highest standard possible in all areas. Because that way when you... That's a big problem. See, we yeah. can unpack all this shit, bro. There's a lot to it. You can't there's, correct something you listen, ain't got fixed. Listen, bro. There's so <laughs> many leaders out here that are fucking fat, lazy, incapable of doing the job that they ask of their team. And then they're like, well, I should be a leader because I'm a leader. And it says so on my paycheck that I'm the leader. That doesn't make a leader, bro. No. You know what I'm saying? Leading makes you a leader. So, you know, there's all kinds of things. Like, are you, like, what's your physical state? What's your mental state? What do you look like? How do you appear? How do you speak? How do you behave? Are you confident? I would bet this person's not very confident. I would bet this person is very afraid on the inside. I would bet this person's terrified of having a real conversation with anybody about fucking anything. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, bro, that's a confidence issue. Yeah. So make your confidence come up. 75 hard is a great way to do that. You know, there's just a lot of aspects to it, dude. But like at the end of the day, here's the thing. You know what makes an effective leader? The motherfucker that gets the job done. That's it. So you could take all this shit and you could throw it off the table, but I'll bet you the dude that got the fucking job, I bet he gets the job done better than you. Mm-hmm. And that's that. All right? May so, not like it. Hey, look, there's a lot of, there are leaders. If you have to pick between being a leader that gets walked over and the leader everybody hates, be the one they hate. Mm-hmm. Be the one to hate. Okay? Be the one that forces it. That's required sometimes. Dude, when I was younger in business, I was a fuck. Okay, like if you fucked with me, I would fucking bury you. I would cut your fucking head off in front of everybody. I realized through maturity that wasn't good. Okay, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. The job got done. Yeah. I'm here today because of that. Because we did what the fuck we had to do. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I love it, man. Guys, so, there's a lot to it. Yeah. Guys, Andy, question number three. Hi, Andy. I'm, uh, I am an artist and recently uh, earned my tattoo license. I've been tattooing for eight months now. My problem is my confidence in charging my client what I know I'm worth. Because I am new most times, I throw a deal in front of the client, which is usually less than what I think I should charge, hoping that they will see my talent and compensate with the tip. But more often than not, that doesn't happen, and I feel resentful and not getting enough to cover my costs. How do I put my talent skill and my time first when quoting a price to my clients without feeling guilty about what I charge. I know what I deserve, but I don't know how to be confident in what I deserve. That person's full of shit. Hmm. If you actually deserve that, you would charge that. Hmm. Okay. Real talk. Hmm. Let's address this step by step. First of all, how good are you after eight months, bro? Okay. Let's be real. I wouldn't let you within a hundred miles of my fucking skin if you've only been tattooing for eight months, mm. not happening. Okay, so let's assess our abilities properly. You are a brand new tattoo artist. You are eight months in. You really don't know shit. Okay, 
I don't even have to see your shit. I know you don't know shit. All right. So you're probably not worth whatever the fuck you think you're worth. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is if you were worth what you think you're worth and you were delivering this amazingly beautiful art of tattoo work and you charge the price that you feel is undervalued, people would say, how the fuck, bro, this ain't right. Mm -hmm. They would say that. Yeah. Okay. Not everybody, but, but people would, and it would become a thing. Well, what happened is people would say, bro, go to Steve. Look how fucking good he is and look how cheap he is. Okay. You would start hearing that kind of stuff. And because you're not hearing that kind of stuff, it means you're overestimating your own value and your own skill. Mm -hmm. Okay. So do yourself a favor and remember where you are. You're eight months in the game, bro. You're at the beginning. You're a rookie. Okay. You're going to have to do rookie things in the beginning. And rookie things mean I'm going to have to do things for low or free cost. That's the reality. All right. So let's start there. You're probably still in a place where you're getting paid what you deserve. Now let's flip it. And let's say you are the, who you say you are and you're undercharging Picasso. Now listen, bro, listen to what I just said. Yeah. If that man actually believed he was worth what he says and what he's trying to say he's worth, then why would he not charge that in the first place? Hmm. I don't have any issue charging fucking anything for why, what I Why do. is there a doubt? There's no doubt. Yeah. Like, bro, I get hundreds of thousands of dollars to speak. I don't feel bad. Should I be charging that? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. fuck, dude. Okay, well, uh, I'm pretty much one of the best in the world, and I actually do real things in real life. I'm taking away from this to go do that. You're going to fucking pay me, mm -hmm. and I don't feel bad. In fact... I don't even do the events because I feel like I can't even charge what I'm actually worth because it's not worth my time to do. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, so we got to be real. If you really believe this, bro, you would have no problem charging it. Mm -hmm. All right? So here's how I would recommend this person get around this issue. And then we'll cover what we'll cover another part of it. You should work on becoming so undeniably great that it is obvious that you're worth that. Right now, there's a question, and there's even a question in your mind. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'd just be charging it, all right? So you should focus on your experience and your skill set you're gaining and the customer base that you're building, creating an amazing situation for people to spread the word of mouth that you are an amazing tattoo artist, okay? That's, because look, look, here's the reality about tattoos. People really don't give a fuck what they cost. They want the best shit. Mm -hmm. They want the coolest shit. Okay, so we're not talking about the drunk girls on the weekend getting the fuck. We're not head. talking about Spuds McKenzie tattoos. <laughs> we're bro. talking about real shit, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah like we're talking. Yeah, we're 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 not talking about Pokemon tattoos. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Life, love. <laughs> right. We're we're not talking about some some little bitty fucking font yeah. that's this big and can't read down your spine like the, every the Instagram girl has. Yeah, the heart with arrows. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Look, we're talking about fucking actual tattooing. Art. Art. Yeah. You're an artist. And tattooing should be looked at as a cosmetic procedure, no different than a woman who's getting fake breasts. Mm -hmm. All right, you want you don't want to get your you don't want to get the fucking cheapest titties. No. Okay, you don't want to get the cheapest fucking eye surgery. Like you want to be the best. Yeah. That's what people want, and there are price levels to that. And whatever your experience is, you want to be the best of the beginners. Okay, so you work on the skill set, over deliver, create an amazing customer experience, builds your book. Okay, and as your book builds, you start to get exclusivity. Mm -hmm. And if your shit's good, you can start telling people no, and then what happens is your price goes up. 
All right, so okay. that's the so strategy. Okay. okay, okay. That's the you have to make yourself scarce through yeah. volume, mm. and that comes from doing things for cheap in the beginning, getting to a point where you can't get to everybody. Raise your fucking price, and that's what it is. Now, if you're in this situation, and let's say you are already there, and you really do have a problem asking for money from people, understand first is that you will always struggle with money. Mm. If you have a problem asking for money, or talking about money, or speaking about money, or talking any you will always be in a position of having no money all right so what you have to work on is you have to understand that there's a lot of people out here that have a lot more money than you think okay and salesmen do this quite often they will sell the customer based upon their own financial situation mm -hmm. so like if you take a salesman who let's say they have three hundred dollars in their bank account and they're struggling for money and they can't really like you know, feel comfortable when they go talk to a customer, they start to project their own financial situation onto that customer. They start doing things like judging the customer based upon how they appear thinking, well, this fucking guy can't, I've got $300. He can't have more than $300. I'm talking to him about $50,000 truck. How am I going to do that? He's only got $300 when in reality, dude, you don't know that guy might be fuck. That guy might be a fucking billionaire. Right. You have no idea. Okay. So stop judging people based upon how they look or your own personal financial situation. A lot of the insecurities about charging for things come from their own financial securities that they project onto the client. Yep. Um, third of all, you know, you have to understand everybody in the world understands how business works. They understand, like I pull out my wallet, I give you some money, you give me some shit. Mm -hmm. All right. And I understand how that's weird in the beginning when you're like operating as an entrepreneur, you're not used to that. Cause I can remember back in the day when I started the first store, I felt like I had to give everybody a discount. I felt like I had to like, you know, cause I didn't have no money. Yeah. And that's how I figured this out. I'm like, why do I feel like I have to always give people a discount? Well, the reason was because I needed a discount. Mm. Shit was a lot of money to me. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's a lot of mental hurdles to get over here, but the main one is this. If you're undeniably great, you could pretty much charge whatever the fuck you want. And it sounds to me like, instead of you focusing on what you're making now, you should be focusing on getting much better where people like would line up to get tattoos from you. And then you can start to work on your pricing. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of things that you can do to work on this, but it's a psychological, uh, you know, it's a psychological hangup most of the time. If you, you know, most people, they understand what things cost. They understand that things cost money. People know that tattoos cost a lot of money. Um, it's, it's like so much, it's so well known. There's memes about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, bro, if your shit's if your shit is actually good, charge what you think it's worth. And the market will tell you the truth. People will either pay it or they won't. And you can't take that personal. If they don't pay it, you know what they're telling you? You ain't good enough yet. Mm -hmm. If they do pay it and they don't ask any questions and you have a line of people out the door saying, fuck, I want one, you're you're probably too low. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right, like right, right. the market will give you the proper feedback to for you to decide where your pricing should be. And it sounds to me right now like, you know, dude, you just got some experience to gain, some work to do, and some skills to acquire. And, uh, and if I were this person, I would be working on creating ama an amazing book of business and an amazing experience for all these customers so that you have an army of people out here talking about your tattooing. That's, that's where you start. And you yeah. keep getting better and better and better and better. I mean, bro, eight months is bullshit. Let's be real. Eight months is bullshit, bro. I take shits longer than eight months. Yeah. <laughs> real talk. Real talk, bro. Been in eight months. Wow, I'm not a billionaire yet. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like in the big scheme of things, eight months, is that's fucking nothing. Yeah.
Okay, so let's let's quit this shit. You're not going to be one of these ten grand a day dudes in fucking eight months. It ain't happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's be real about where we are. Let's ask ourselves and introspectively, what is the hang up? Why am I struggling with this? Why do I have this doubt? And then let's focus on getting better. Let's focus on building the word of mouth. And let's create a situation where the price has to go up because you're so good and you're so in demand. That's the best way to do it. I love it, man. Well, guys, Andy, that was three. Yep. All right, guys, uh, don't be a hoe. Show the show. Sleeping on the floor, now my jewelry box froze. Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove, counted millions in the cold. Bad bitch, booted swole, got her on bankroll. Can't fold, does a no headshot, case closed. Close.